Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We cannot even lift a finger if you have not allowed it so. So we come humbly before you, acknowledging the great salvation which you wrought for us in Christ. Acknowledging the fact that you have called us to be preachers of salvation. Bless our service. Bless this message in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. We thank the Lord. Let's start with the scripture of the week, which is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. And verse number 21 and 22. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. It says, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. Luke 11, 21 and 22. Hallelujah. So let's say it together. Luke 11, 21 and 22. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. Luke 11, 21 and 22. Hallelujah. Amen. There is the one who is stronger than the strong man who is warring against us. His name is Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And we need to partner with Jesus so that there shall be no strong man who can, who can stand Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank the Lord. Amen. So congratulations to the latest couple in town. Mr. and Mrs. Phyllis Darcy. Hallelujah. And the, the um, wedding, you know, brought people from many, many places, from, uh, even from outside the country. So, very, very powerful. And we are blessed to have with us Mrs. Sylvia Amwati. Hallelujah. Who is the wife of our own Reverend Ben Amwati. Yes, some of you who don't know, Reverend Ben Amwati always calls Colombo his second home. So, we welcome you into our midst. Hallelujah. And uh, many of you were, were, were here yesterday, uh, last week, were you not? Yes. And you were blessed powerfully with the ministry of our friend and our pastor and our Reverend, Reverend Seth and Sankranti. Hallelujah. So, all too soon, his time here has come to a close. I mean, in this season, because I believe he's going to come again. Okay, okay. Amen. And so, um, you know, this will be his last Sunday with us, with his wife, uh, Mrs. Cranton. So I would like them to come, just give a farewell, short uh, greeting before we get into the message. Hallelujah. Okay, so it's not farewell as in farewell because he's going to come again. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I wish I would be around on Friday. Um, And uh, it has been a great blessing to be part of the church fellowshipping and an honor to stand uh, uh, by this anointed pulpit to preach. Amen. 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 And I want to thank God so much for bringing us with my wife. Amen. Amen. And I also want to thank uh, Reverend Gilbert for the love. Amen. Amen. And uh, in fact, um, I knew I would be honored but the honor has been too much. Mercy. Amen. Amen. It's no thing that I can stand here and say, but I thank him very much for the love that he has shown us. Amen. Amen. And I believe that the grace of God will bring us. Hallelujah. Amen. And I also want to say thank you for all the people, uh, Mr. Francis, amen. amen, and George, and uh, um, Eugene, and the rest, amen. amen. It has been so wonderful. I feel like I'm at home. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe that by the grace of God, I will come back again. Amen. Amen. And I want to encourage you. Yes. You know, uh, that don't give up. Amen. In fact, in this land that we have found ourselves, the way the devil is working is on a very higher level. Hallelujah. Amen. The traps and the deception is so high. But let's always remember the law. Amen. 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 And I want you to remember the vision of Lighthouse Chapel the vision of uh, Kodesh yes. Family Church and which is so winning and church planting. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord give you peace. Hallelujah. May the Lord prosper you in this land. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. Thank you very much, Reverend Seth. God richly bless you. Hallelujah. So we are still in the season of feeding 527, and we are going to continue. Today, uh, I believe um, God is going to bring us a message from Salvation Message 5, the Good Samaritan. Hallelujah. Amen. The Good Samaritan, which is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And uh, we are going to take it from verse 29. So if you can project it for us. But if you have your book, you see that the passage is actually on page 41 of the book. The Good Samaritan. Hallelujah. Amen. One of the things that we need to realize is that, you see, we have been called to be messengers for God. Amen. Amen. As a believer, when you become a believer, you, you, be, you, you sign up to represent the kingdom of God. You are God's messenger. The Bible says that Christ is the head and we are his body. Hallelujah. Amen. And the head cannot go anywhere except the body carries it. Is that not so? And so, our hands, our feet, our every part of our body is essentially representing Christ in the earth. And so, everything that Christ would do if he was on earth, you would now have been called to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Christ is relying on you to do that. Amen? Amen? And so, one of the things that we need to emphasize in this season is that as we talk about salvation again and how to preach salvation, it must start with you yourself acknowledging salvation in your own life. Amen. And then you yourself becoming the message. You see, you can be a messenger and you can be a message. If somebody sends you to go and insult somebody on their behalf, 
Okay, think twice about it. Because just because you are carrying the message, you said this person sent me to come and tell you A, B, C, and D. Do you think the person you gave the message to is going to let you go scot-free? Because you are carrying the message, somehow you identify with the message. So it's not every message that you should be willing to carry. Are you there? If you hear bad news and you report it, you have identified with the message. You have become part of it. So also, when you are a carrier of good news, you have become part of the good news. And one of the things we need to become is that we shouldn't just read the Bible. We shouldn't just read the Bible. We should allow the Bible to begin to read us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What do I mean by the Bible reading us? When you read the, the scripture passage, because as soon as I said um, Good Samaritan, it's like everybody knows the story, so it's like, okay, I mean, what is Good Samaritan? But have you actually taken time to read the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures begin to expose it to you and then begin to look into your life how the scriptures reflect on your own life. Hallelujah. So you are no longer a person who just read the Bible. Allow your life to be read by the Bible. Amen. 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 And so, you know, the, the passage opens by the passage opens by a lawyer coming to Christ and asking a question. You know, it's like a trick question. What do I need to do to be saved? And so we, we kind of started a little bit later. And it says, he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Hallelujah. So the passage starts by, you know, Jesus saying, love thy neighbor as thyself. Then the person who was asking the question said, who is my neighbor? So the good Samaritan story started with a question. Hallelujah. And now in this passage, Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Do we have a, I'll ask somebody to read it for us. Somebody who has their book. The Good Samaritan. Hallelujah. Alright. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Amen. Okay. So maybe I will just proceed. And then the person fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. When this man was traveling, I can guarantee you, he did not take any newsporin. You know newsporin. Yeah. When you get cuts in your skin. He did not take a bandage. He did not take a cotton wool. He did not take um, medicine, first aid, apparatus. He didn't take any of those. Why did he not take them? Because he was not planning to be attacked. He was not planning to receive beatings. He was not planning to meet thieves on the way. He set out with a mind from a, a beginning point and an end point in mind. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? Yes. My life is full of surprises. Yes. Let's continue with the story. So he was uh, he wounded and, and then they, they departed him and left him half dead. Le and by chance, there came down a certain priest... That way, and when he saw him, that is when the priest saw him, he passed away by on the other side. So you get the picture that why is the scripture saying, why is the scripture saying that when the priest saw him, he passed by on the other side? Let's say this is a road. Let's say this is where the, 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 the poor man has been beaten and left over. If the priest was, was passing this way, all right, and then he happened to see the other side of the road, a man that has been beaten. Would the scripture say, say he passed by on the other side? Because he's already on the other side. Amen. So you get the impression that, you get the impression that, you see, when you are reading the scripture, try and picture 
and visualize how it happened. And insert yourself into the story. Amen. Amen. So it looks to me that the way that scripture is reading, when, when he saw the man over there, uh, and, and in his priestly training, he's training as a priest. You don't leave a wounded person there. Do you get it? So, so in order for him not to have the responsibility to do anything about the situation, he saw the person there, then he, he, he quickly uh, uh, ran to the, this side and pretended he had not seen it. The scripture also says, who came next? Who was the next person? Likewise, a Levite, when he, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Amen. You see, Mr. Sylvia, I, I got the picture that perhaps the, the Levite was not too far away from the priest. You get it? So the Levites are the, the people who are supposed to assist the priest in the work. They are the brother Eugene's and brother Ishmael's in the land. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And so, so the priest is coming, and the Levite is like a, a walking distance behind him. But the priest knows that the Levite knows what the priest is supposed to do. Okay. Do you get it? So the priest sees the wounded person, and then quickly balance himself this way. Okay. So that the Levite will not notice that he saw the person. The priest was probably busy. He had a, an appointment. He had to go and uh, maybe do a service. He had to go and do something that he deemed important to God. Hallelujah. Amen. But he left this man. And that's Levi. When the Levi got there, and the priest thought that the Levi had not noticed what he had done. Yeah. But when, when the priest balanced to the other side, the Levi saw it. So, Mr. Levi, come over. Mr. Levi, father of Levi. <laughs> so, so, so I come this way. So, you, let's see what you are going to do. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. Because you see, the Levite is thinking, even the priest didn't do anything about it. So, I mean, I am also what? I don't have to do anything about it. Are you there with me? We are talking about the journey of life and the things that you can encounter. Now, in this story, let's just start by saying that this person who left Jerusalem to go to Jericho, this person is you and I. This is how we can let the scripture read us. Because otherwise, when you read the scripture and you, you picture it, it's about somebody. That it becomes just another Christian story that you hear. Amen. Find yourself, I mean, you, you are not a priest, you're not a liver. So, of the characters that we have met so far, which one do you think is you? You don't want to be wounded, but we are saying that life is full of surprises. Amen. Or do you want to be among the thieves? You want you be one of the thieves? Yeah, so let's, let's, let's assume that it's us. We are the ones traveling. Hallelujah. What happened next? But a certain Samaritan, say a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan. As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Samaritans. You see, after King David died, Solomon became king. Is that not so? And then after Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became king. Now, when Rehoboam became king, in his first cabinet meeting, he said certain things he shouldn't say. He, he spoke against the elders. And he spoke against the northern ten tribes. So the kingdom became divided. Hallelujah. So you had Israel and you had Judah. And then later on, Israel, they kept worshiping idols over and over again after so many warnings. So God had no choice but to let judgment come upon them. So what you have is that the kingdom of Israel to the north, they were attacked by the Assyrians. Amen. And part of the, the legacy of the Assyrian attack was that they intermarried with the Israelites. So the Samaritans are the descendants of a mixed breed of people. Do you get it? They, they, they are half Jew and half 
uh, a Gentile. And the people who have a pure, um, how do you call it, uh, who, have a, who hold on to the pure breed, that, okay, we are the original Jews, they look down on the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a rejected group of people. Amen. And people who were not accepted. In fact, you remember in John chapter 4, the story of how Jesus met the Samaritan woman. They were looked down upon. Hallelujah. Sometimes, salvation can come from someone whom you least expect. Because the Samaritan was the last person you would think would even consider coming to the help of this person. Because they are already feeling like they are not accepted. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? In this story, the person who came to the help of the wounded person, the Samaritan, was someone rejected. And the Bible says that the stone that was what? Rejected became the head of the corner. Who is that stone? The Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so in this story, the good Samaritan is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following the story? Put your hands together unto the Lord. So now let's continue to go. He went to him. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds. Pouring on oil and wine. Amen. Amen. He poured oil and wine. You know, the oil was to do what? To deflect flies. Okay? To, to, to reduce the power of flies on the wounds. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And flies represent demons. So Jesus Christ, the anointed one, when he comes into your life, we are talking about what he did for you when you got saved. Because in order for you to be able to preach salvation, you need to appreciate what Christ has done for you. Because if you don't value what you have, how can you convince someone that this is good, that you need to become a savior? Hallelujah. You see, in the journey of life, you're going to meet all kinds of things. And Christ came and did not ignore. Everybody else ignored us when we were wounded in the corner. But he poured in what? The oil and the wine. Amen. Amen. The wine was to prevent infection. Because of the alcohol content in it, it was to prevent infection. So Christ's investment in our lives is to, is, to, is to give us a new start. Because this guy, the scripture said that he was left half dead. Amen. This is the situation of every person walking the earth. People walking the earth with a lot of vitality, a lot of strength, a lot of boasting and speaking big, big words. And speaking uh, uh, with great pride. Everyone who is not born again is half dead. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, they are dead. Because true love is in Christ. Now, we need to have our eyes open to understand that before the good Samaritan met the man, the state in which he was, he was what? Comatose. He was half dead. Hallelujah. This is the fate of mankind without Christ. Before Christ shows up, everyone you see, no matter how rich they may look, no matter how prosperous they may look, no matter how uh, uh, good looking they may, they may seem, how well dressed they may seem, and how, um, how do you call it, uh, uh, they, they are able to speak with certain nice words. All of that, eloquent, how eloquent they may be, all those things is just a camouflage. Because before the good Samaritan came, what do you think was happening to the man? He was, he was half dead, but there were flies also around. Yeah. There were things trying to get him. Yeah. And, but the good Samaritan came just in time. Just in time. Because if you don't know the danger you are in, because the man, if you are if you are comatose, if you are unconscious, you wouldn't know the danger you are in. If a lion is coming to eat you up, you wouldn't know that it's coming to, because you are, you, are, you are almost like dead. Yeah. Or even if you are in a deep sleep, you don't know what is happening. This is the state of man without Christ in the world. A people walking around who don't have Christ, they are dead, but they don't even know it. 
And when people sleep, when people are in deep sleep, sometimes you're watching a movie and somebody falls asleep and you, you try to wake them up. They are, what do they always say? I am not asleep. There's no one who is asleep who would accept that they are asleep. So I'm awake. You can see clearly that the eyes are like this. And sometimes they may even be snoring, but they will protest. You see, it's a deception. It's a deception that the world is in. The world is in a great deception that they don't even know. They don't even know that they are dead. They are like walk. What? How do they say it? Walking dead. People are walking around, but there's no vitality of life in them because true life is in Christ. Amen. And until the good Samaritan man came, anything at all could have happened to the man lying there. Hallelujah. Amen. The scripture says, when the good Samaritan came, he could not ignore him. The Samaritan is a rejected one. Someone no one looks up to. Someone no one even esteems. But you see, one of the things we need to realize is that if you think too much of yourself, and you think too much of how you are accepted or not accepted, how people look at you, you will not be a good servant of God. God has called us to bury ourselves in Christ. We need to be swallowed up in Christ. The scripture says, in him we live and move and have our being. Sometimes we think too much of ourselves. Sometimes we think too much of what others think of ourselves. But the good Samaritan is someone whose eyes was fixed on what can I do to help this person who was lying there. Hallelujah. I'm sure if he had watches, they probably took his watches away. If he had some good shoes on, they probably took his shoes. Perhaps they left him almost naked. Hallelujah. And he what? He set him on his own animal. Because uh, a donkey or whatever, he set him on his own animal and brought him to, to an inn and took care of him. So you get the sense that what is the likelihood that the good Samaritan was traveling with two animals? He's sitting on his beast of... Uh, and so when he says he gave him his own animal, where, where, where would the good Samaritan be riding? He would be walking. He put the sick man, the wounded man on it, and he walked. I don't know the distance he traveled. Hallelujah. The good Samaritan, in order to save this wounded man, he had to sacrifice. He had to sacrifice something. He had to sacrifice his comfort. He had to give up his what? Ride. His Chevy. His, his horse. His donkey, his camel, whatever he was riding on, you have to give it up for this man because his goal is to save this one. Hallelujah. Now, if you and I have been called to become messengers of salvation and to preach salvation, we cannot love our comfort too much as to be able to, to not deny ourselves and work for Christ. The good Samaritan is an example for us. Maybe we are in this foreign land. Maybe we are like the good Samaritan. Maybe because we are not widely esteemed. Maybe you are trying to preach salvation and people even hear your accent. The moment you begin to speak, say, where are you from? Where are you from? You say, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Then you say, where are you originally from? They always bring the word originally to remind you that you are not from here. So immediately you feel like you become self-conscious. But if you are working for Christ and you are following the full step of the good Samaritan, you shouldn't let how people look at you or even see how many have gone evangelism and have been rejected before. Was it not last year? Was that with you? That a lady warned us that she's going to release the dogs on us. Was that with you? Yeah, last year. Yeah, you were there. A lady warned us that he's going to, she's going to release the dogs on us if we don't disappear. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. What have we... It's like you have nothing else. To, we are in a season of how to preach salvation. And we are saying that in order to become... In order to preach the message, you and I must become the message. 
We must allow the scripture to read us and place ourselves in the context of the scripture and see what we would do differently if it was us. Hallelujah. All right. Next verse. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. Okay, go to verse 34 again. So you see, the good Samaritan brought, he brought the, the, the wounded man, where? To an inn and took care of him. Hallelujah. He brought the, so, so, so this is a picture of your salvation. That, that, that Christ Jesus found us wounded. You see, you may not think that you were wounded, but your soul was wounded. Hallelujah. You may not have been beaten by thieves, but in this world there are so many thieves. There are so many thieves who are trying to steal your dignity. Hallelujah. Trying to steal the worth that you are. Sometimes people will make you feel useless. They've taken your self-worth away by using you, abusing you, excusing you, and leaving you on the roadside. Hallelujah. But the good Samaritan comes to give you worth again. And he is willing to pay every price. The scripture said that he put him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. Next verse. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. So the good Samaritan, he didn't know this man. He was a stranger to him. But he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Hallelujah. And said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Hallelujah. So in this, in this picture, Jesus Christ is the good Samaritan. You and I are the wounded one that we got saved. Hallelujah. After we got saved, in the good Samaritan, he doesn't live in that city, does he? He, was, he just happened to be passing through, and he happened to see this man. Is that not so? Now, after he has done the initial, what you could call first aid, and he brought this man to an inn, hallelujah. The inn is the church. Are you listening to me, somebody? The inn is the church. Because the good Samaritan saved this man from dying, and then he brought him to where? He brought him to an inn. The, and then he said, I am leaving. Is that not so? And the good Samaritan gave like a, what you could call a down payment or a deposit. Two denarii. I believe denarii was like the wage of a day. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? So if you think of the denarii as the wage of one day, so, so he gave him two days wages. He, pay, he, he prepaid the, 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 the innkeeper. The innkeeper is your pastor. Hallelujah. When you were saved by the good Samaritan Jesus Christ on the road of life and you were wounded, you were, some of you, 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 you don't seem that something bad has happened to you before, so you are not relating to the message. Amen. But as you are going to go on the point, you are going to see that life is full of turns and twists. Amen. And because of the fractured creation that we have come to see, Sometimes there are unintended consequences. Hallelujah. Did you know that, digressing slightly, you know, a little bit on politics, the president, one of the things he did, I believe in March, was to announce some taxes on imported steel. What is his goal? His goal, Rev, is to help the domestic steel industry. Because, because foreign countries like China and others, they are subsidizing their steel. So the one that they are steel from China enters the U.S. market, it is cheaper for people to buy. And the people that produce steel from here is more expensive. So people are not buying domestic steel, and therefore it, it, that, that industry is going down. So he placed taxes on imports from these countries in order to make it a fair game. Are you following so far? Yeah. But there's something called unintended consequences. 
Now China said, look, we are also going to retaliate. All soya being imported from America, we are also going to put, uh, what do you call it, taxes on it. So that you are trying to save the steel industry of America, but now you are going to help soya bean farmers. Amen. Because China said we can import soya bean from Brazil. We don't have to import American soya bean. These are the, so, so in other words, when the policy was being discussed, they did not probably anticipate that this thing could be an outcome. That is how life is full of surprises. Hallelujah. And so this man, when he was going on his journey, he didn't plan to be hurt. He didn't plan to be, to, to be abused. He didn't plan to be stolen from. He didn't plan to be, to be injured. But then, thank God for the good Samaritan. Say, thank God for the good Samaritan. Thank God for Jesus Christ. His intervention in my life. And it starts with your spirit. How he comes to save our wounded spirit. Our spirit that has been shut down from communicating with God. He saved us. And then after he saved us, you see, he came to do a quick work in the earth. But then, the scripture says, he left two denarii to the innkeeper to take care of you. Now, two denarii, a denarii is said to be what? A day's work. Is that not so? The wages for a day's work. So, two denarii is two days' work. Now, the scripture also says that a day is like a thousand years before the Lord. Is that not so? And so, two denarii, if a denarii is a day's work, two denarii means what? Two days' work. And if a thousand years is like a day, two, two days is what? Two thousand years. So, the good Samaritan has been gone for how many years? Two thousand years since Christ left. Hallelujah. And he has placed you in the church. That it is what did he say? He said, look. He said, take care of him. So, so the, so Jesus placed you in the church to the church of the innkeeper to take care of you. And he says, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So you see, in our church, most of our pastors, we, we don't actually work for, for the money. Because the one who can pay us when he comes back is Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. Our motive is your salvation. We believe that the, the good Samaritan has good credit. Amen. Because when Christ said he will pay you, he will pay you. Some, some people, when they say they will pay you, you have to pray about it. Because, you see, the two denarii that he left, in case, in case how much you spend is beyond that, he said, don't worry, when I come, I will repay you. Now, think, your, think of yourself also, if you, were the, if you were the innkeeper, because the innkeeper, how many know the innkeeper needs helpers? Okay, the innkeeper is like a clinic on the road. Do you get it? The church of God is like a clinic on the road. Did you get it? Because everybody comes to the church wounded, Rev. Everybody comes to the church wounded in different stages of hurt. And the innkeeper has been trained to take care of the wounded. Hallelujah. And everybody's wound is different. Somebody is their food. There's a, there's a, a nail that has pierced their food. So they are walking like this. They, they cannot walk straight. Okay? Somebody is their, is their waist. You got somebody is their neck. They are walking like this. You see, you shouldn't laugh at somebody because, because of the way they look. Because you may have your neck straight. But somebody, and do you realize that it's not all wounds that are visible? There are some wounds that are deep and within that you cannot notice. I mean, if there's a wound on, your, on, your, on, on my knee, for instance, you wouldn't know. Do you get it? So the whole church is filled with people that the good Samaritan has collected. And placed in the inn for the innkeeper to take care of. And the innkeeper, how many of the innkeeper needs people to help him? So there are people who are serving food. 
There are people who are bringing the first aid. There are people who are uh, making sure the water supply is working. There are people who are doing what? Making sure hot water is on. There are people who are bringing ice. Because sometimes the person who is hurting needs ice. So all these assistants and helpers, where, how are they going to be paid? From the same two denarii that was given to the innkeeper. And so he's going to take it and portion it out. But how many know that some of it may not be enough? So that in as much as the innkeeper has to wait till the good Samaritan comes back. So also everyone who is assisting in the work of the church, you must have a mind that the one who is going to fully pay you when he comes back is Christ himself. Don't look for pay from man. Don't look for praise from man. Don't look for people to admire you. Don't look for... Because sometimes, how many have taken care of a patient who is very obnoxious and very difficult to take care of? There are some patients that you are trying to help the person. You are trying to help the person. You, they are the ones suffering, and you are the nurse. They, they sometimes they even use abusive words on you because of the rights of patients in this country, that you have to handle them with great care. And so, so it is that as you are handling people in the church, don't think that they are all going to be appreciative. As you are helping the innkeeper to build the work of God, don't think that it's all going to be what? Rosy, and they are going to be singing for you. No. You are going to have people who are not even seeing what you are doing for them. But who are you looking at? Who brought this person to you? The good Samaritan, the good Samaritan has brought this person. So the person you are answering to, the person that you and I as believers and Christians that we are looking to, we are not looking at the sick person. The person we know is the good Samaritan. It is Christ Jesus we are working for. When we are preaching salvation, when we are working on people, when we are trying to build people up, it is Christ we are looking at. We are not looking at people. If you look at people, you won't do this work. You are going to what? Transfer yourself out. You know the story. There are some wounded people, they are not fully healed. But they cannot submit themselves to the regimen of being in the ink in. Because maybe there's a time that they need to be given medication and they want to sleep. But it's time for you to have your medication. Otherwise, there could be complications. Or maybe there's a time for them to pierce your, what do you call it? And then the, in, the, the, the sick person said, no, I don't want it. When you have people in the church who resist counsel, who resist advice and instructions, it is like somebody in the inn who is not submitting themselves to the innkeeper's care. And if the, if the person, the wounded person, imagine this wounded person, if they jump out of the inn before the good Samaritan returns, they are not going to be well. He said, I don't like this inn. I'm going to this other inn. When you go, you see that it's the same medicine they are going to administer to you. So I don't like this church. Eh, somebody has done this. And then you leave. You are jumping out of a process that the good Samaritan has placed you in. Yeah. That you're supposed to be there and sit, sit, sit still until the healing process is over. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he said, when I come again, I will repay you. Next verse. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? 37. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. This, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Hallelujah. Jesus said we should go and do likewise. We should be good Samaritans. If Christ is the good Samaritan and we are Christians, we are like Christ. We should look at people who need help and help them. But fundamentally and most importantly, salvation. Because you see, the saving of the soul, the saving of the spirit, the saving of the person is where it all begins. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Bishop gives us a list of things to focus on. Number one, like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life from birth to death. Hallelujah. When you are born, you are in Jerusalem. The time you die is what? 
Jericho. Hallelujah. The whole journey of our life is like this man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. You see, Jericho, if you remember Jericho, it was the first place that the conquest of Canaan took place. When the, when the um, what do you call it, the, the Israelites passing through the Exodus led by Joshua after Moses had died. When they entered, that was the first city they took. Is that not so? And they planted Jericho. And the Joshua made a curse on that city that curse be whoever who rebuild the city. And then, and then he even made another curse that they are going to do it by their firstborn. It's like they, they, their firstborn will have to be paid. Years later, somebody rebuilt Jericho. Hallelujah. So Jericho in general represents something that is not what we want. Hallelujah. But in life, when you are born, because of Adam's sin, the Bible says what? It is appointed unto man once to die and after death, judgment. So, so the first point is for us to know that when you enter this life, you are on this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in this journey of life, there are surprises. You are, going to need, you are going to meet people who you thought you could trust, but they ended up duping you. Hallelujah. You are going to, need, you are going to meet people who you thought you could company with, but they end up stealing from you. Hallelujah. Now, when you are warned ahead of time, then you prepare. But if you don't have this at the back of your mind, you walk through life casually. There's a scripture that says that Moab has been careless since her youth. We won't find time to go there. But God described Moab as, he said, she has been careless since her youth. When we are, what we are learning is that life is full of things that you should open your eyes and don't live carelessly. Because you are on a journey. Hallelujah. When you are traveling on a journey, you should pay attention to the signs. Is that not so? Yeah. If you're on a journey, you should pay attention to the Sometimes, you see, last, uh, was it last week? Last week is when we came back from safe camp. Is that not so? So the GPS was telling us, you <laughs> I was with uh, uh, Sonia. She was driving the car behind me. We, we, the GPS said, make a left here, and you are nine miles away from 65 South. And then at that junction, I saw the sign that said, road closed. And then, and then it says local traffic only. So I began to think, if it's local traffic only, if we only have nine minutes here, Sister Elizabeth, can that not be considered local traffic? So I said, maybe we should try it. But the thing said clearly, road closed, local traffic. Local traffic, by the way, means people who live in that neighborhood. We don't live in that neighborhood, but we wanted to do what? A shortcut. So, so I, as I was entering, there was a truck driver coming from the other side. And a truck driver, as if he read my mind. You see, sometimes when you are doing something bad, you meet people who actually support you in that bad thing you are doing. And you think it is God who has designed it. Amen. It's like you are going to do something bad and somebody actually encourages you on. Yeah. So it means that God is in it. No. It's not every support you get that means God is in it. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually the devil. Yeah. I don't know this guy. Actually, this guy, he meant well. So he said, you know, he saw me reading the sign. He said, he said uh, oh, don't worry about it. It says road closed, but you can go. Except that there are big potholes. Just, you, you just must know how to navigate your way around it, but no issues. Okay. So I called him. Sonia, it said road closed, but I think we can go. So let's go. Not knowing the guy also spoke to her the same thing. I see this guy has been sent to send us to land in the hands of the police. Okay. <laughs> Amen. So we continued. And as we were strolling along, then I saw the police sign coming like this. Not from behind us, but in front of us. Okay. You see, on the road 
on the journey of life, you have to watch out for the signs. Okay. There are some signs that say, don't go here. Don't. And there are some, some signs that says, it's okay to go. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. And so, the police officer came out of his car. And then he was going like this. It's like, this is not a way you should come. But at that point, you know, we are in a strange place. I didn't know where the GPS would lead us. So I decided to, I decided to just go near him and ask him, what is the alternative route? Yeah. Amen. But if you look at it closely, Sir Sylvia, he could have found us yeah. because it's a traffic violation. Yeah. Do you get it? Yeah. So I began to pray for God's favor. Okay. I said, Lord, <laughs> because we are, not, we are not about to pay $100 or whatever fine, or if you are not lucky, get points on your insurance. Yeah. So the police officer came out, and then I, when I rolled my thing down, I said, Officer, we need help. I spoke very quickly and I spoke first. <laughs> Amen. As officer, we need help. We are, we are, we are lost and we are, we are looking for 65 South and we ended up here. Then he said, okay, I can't let you go because there's something going on there. Then he showed us another way. So yesterday I was talking to somebody. Then the person told me, one secret is that when you are stopped by the uh, uh, police, try and speak first and speak softly. softly. <laughs> I didn't even know that uh, uh, trick. But by God's grace, it worked. He didn't find us. But we didn't follow the sign. Amen. You are in a journey, and the journey is full of surprises. And sometimes, somebody who has been on that journey can warn you. Amen. Amen. Somebody can say, okay, this place is this, this place is that. But some people want to experience it for themselves. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? Luke chapter 12. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 39 to 40. It says, and this, no... That if the good man of the house had known. If the good man of the house had known. Okay. What hour the thief would come. He would have watched. And not have suffered his house. He would have watched. He would have watched. And not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. For the son of man cometh at an hour. When you think not. Hallelujah. Like the, like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life from birth to death. With most journeys, you know the beginning and the end. With the journey of life, we do not know when or how it will end. Hallelujah. That is why you need help. You need the help of people who have traveled the journey before. You need the help of people who know the, the area, who know the map. Hallelujah. Don't, the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The way you think you know is not the way you should go sometimes. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 9, 12. Another verse that explains the same point. It says, For man also knoweth not his time. Nobody knows when we will be called. Man knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net. And as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Hallelujah. It says that when the journey will end, we may not know. You know when you are born, but you don't know when you are going to die. You don't know when it will all end. And it compares it with how when the fishes are swimming happily in the sea, they see something come, they don't know that it's a snare. And night comes and it traps us all. Now, in this journey of life, be sober and be teachable. 
Stay in the inn. Submit yourself to, to, to correction. Submit yourself to, to, to the medicine that will be given. So medicine is what? Bitter. But it's good for you. Hallelujah. And if you are the one who is assisting the innkeeper, church workers, please remember that the one who ultimately pay us is the good Samaritan himself when he comes back. Put your hand together unto the Lord. Let's stand up to our feet. Commit yourself to the Lord as we get ready to take our first and best. Lift up your hand for an envelope. If you pay the first and best, get it ready. But before then, bow down your head and let us pray. If you have never given your life to Christ, you've never been born again, you have not actually formally invited Jesus Christ to come and rule in your heart. Today, he is summoning you. He's inviting you. The Bible says all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants to give you his free gift, but you need to be willing to accept it. You need to acknowledge that you have need of his gift. If you are not born again, if you are not sure where you will go if Christ was to come today, lift up your hand. Jesus is passing Thank you, Jesus. this way. This way. This way. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus is passing this way. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's passing. This way, right now. Now I want the church to pray with me. Thank you, my God, for your mercy, for your grace, for the completed work of the cross. I believe Christ died for me. And he rose again from, on the third day for my salvation, for the remission of sins. Now give me your grace to live for you and to become a preacher of righteousness until you come back in the name of Jesus. You may take your seats. If you paid your tithe during the week, stand up to your feet. If you brought your tithe, your first and best, stand up to your feet. If you need an envelope, lift up your hand. We love you, Jesus. We appreciate you. We magnify you, Lord. King of glory, we love you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your gifts. There's nothing that we have. All we have are truly yours. Therefore, Lord, bless these gifts. Bless our offerings. Bless the tithe. It belongs to you. Use it to promote your kingdom and increase us so that we will be good witnesses of your good news of salvation through Jesus our Lord. Amen. to see more of who you are 
May what I behold steal my anxious heart. Take what I have known, place it all upon. For you, my guide, greatest still. And all sky content, no doubt, restraints on you, I. I got spent my life to know I'm fine from close to all you are. Greatness of I got. I spent my life to know I'm fine from close to all you are. Greatness of I got. No sky contains no doubt restraints on you out bring the soup I got on you out bring the soup I got Oh, uh-huh. 